0: Granger. Hello.
1: Is this Steve Granger?
0: Yes, it is.
1: Steve, this is Paula Crace. I'm calling from Fairhaven.
0: Paula, how are you? Haven't seen you for a long time.
1: I called to invite you up to Fairhaven over the weekend. Are you free to come up?
0: Certainly am.
1: If you can take the six thirty-five train up this afternoon, I'll meet you at the station.
0: I'll be there, Paula. Certainly will be a treat to get a nice, relaxing weekend.
1: Let me tell you in advance, it might not be so relaxing. Huh? Granger, over here.
0: Oh, hiya, Fowler. Wonderful to see you again.
1: Bring your luggage. I've got the car.
0: Okay. Hey, you certainly look like a million, Paula.
1: I can't say I feel that way. That's why I got you up here.
0: You mentioned the weekend might not be relaxing. what's the trouble, beautiful?
1: Twice so far this week. Somebody's tried to kill me.
0: This is Steve Granger, private detective, with a story set in a luxurious Lakeshore country home. A beautiful setting for murder. In just a moment, I'll take you back to one of my most interesting cases. Paula Crane who had invited me to spend a weekend with him was a girl in her late 20s, strictly the Park Avenue type the kind the columnists refer to as glamorous in shorts on the top she could cause the average professional swimming suit advocate to go back to the old-fashioned nitrous <laughs> and this was the girl whom somebody had tried to dispatch from this weary world two times I made her pull the car up before we got to her place. Now, Paula, let's hear about these two attempts on your life. Well, the first was about a
1: week ago. I got up early to take a swim in the lake, and I was about halfway across to the little island in the middle of the lake when I heard a shot, and there was a splash in the water near me. Uh I dived under, stayed underwater as long as I could... Then made the island and hid in some bushes till I saw my mother and Richard come down to the beach on the mainland. Who's Richard? Well, when father died, mother remarried. A man named Arthur Loomis. He had a daughter, Anne, and Richard is Anne's husband, my brother-in-law. They're all up at the cottage just now, except for my stepfather. He's away on a business trip.
0: Well, let's get back to the shooting. What happened after you saw your mother and Richard on the beach?
1: I waved to them. Richard called out and asked if I wanted him to come out and row me back. I said no, and about an hour later, I started to swim back to shore. That was when the other shot was fired
0: at me. I see. Well, uh, let's get this car started. Seems to me that the sooner I take a look around Fairhaven, the better. beautiful spot.
1: There's the cottage up ahead.
0: call it a cottage? Looks like a country club. See, how many rooms have you got in that hotel? Fifteen. I wonder what the poor people are doing.
1: Oh, there's Mother coming towards us. Don't say
0: anything, please. Of course not.
1: Well, darling... Is this your friend? Oh, yes. Mother, I'd like to present Steve Granger.
0: How do you do, Mrs. Loomis?
1: Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Mother, <laughs> really? Tall, oh, dark, attractive. My, my. I'll show you to your room. Then perhaps you'd like to go for a swim before dinner. Well, uh... Don't tell me you're afraid of the water. Besides, I want your opinion on a new bathing suit I have.
0: I'll break out my judge's badge and be with you in five minutes.
1: Sure, I see you're ready for your swim. Yeah? How do you like my suit?
0: You don't go around in public like that, do you?
1: Why? It's nothing.
0: That's exactly what I mean. After our swim, Paula and I dressed, drove into the village for dinner. We got back around ten. Thanks for a wonderful evening. Just having you around makes me feel secure. Thanks, Paula. Lock your door. the girl walk into a room, heard the click of the lock, and I turned into my own room snapped on the light and started unpacking my bag. Then I just sat by the window and listened to the calm, peaceful night sounds. Why, Paula, I thought you were in bed.
1: Come to my room, please. Right. Be quiet. I don't want to awaken anyone.
0: Well, what's wrong?
1: It's my cat. Look. Over there. Is it dead? She just died. Very strangely, too. Oh. I always have a glass of milk at night. The cook puts it in my room. Tonight, when I walked in here, Junior... That's the cat... Was on the nightstand, lapping up the milk.
0: Uh-oh.
1: Almost a third of the glass was gone.
0: Is that it over on the nightstand now? Yes. First, you shot at. Now, someone puts poison in your milk. I told you somebody is trying to kill me. I'll continue with this interesting story in a minute. It was not exactly a pretty situation. Paula's cat lying stiff on the floor of a room. I tell you, curiosity killed the cat, but this one got his by being greedy and diving at the milk left for his mistress. Paula broke out one of the cars and we drove into the village to the drugstore. Luckily, it was open. The druggist, who fancied himself as a chemist, made a quick check on what was left of the glass of milk. He came back wearing a face as sober as a pallbearer's. Miss Paula, there's enough arsenic in this glass to kill off a whole family pretty scared girl, whom I drove back to the cottage and saw into her room, making a careful check of the room first. I warned her to keep her door locked. Then I went poison hunting. This was one of the four bathrooms the house affected. I went over the medicine chest from aspirins to tooth powder. No poison of any kind. and made the rounds of the remaining three bathrooms. They were as empty of poison as old mother Hubbard's cupboard. In the kitchen, I went through all the cabinets from apples to apricots to anchovies. No arsenic. Through a window, I noticed the garage and went that way. When I got there, I moved inside, felt around for a light switch, and flicked it on. This was a five car job, it was only slightly smaller than ours itself. The cars in it went from the $1,500 price to the category where one doesn't mention money because it's so distasteful. Then I found a garden cabinet on one side of the garage. On the shelf, I saw it sitting between a garden spray and a hand trowel. It was insect powder and contained arsenic. I started back to the house. All right, you. Grab your hands. Now what? Walk ahead of me up to the house. One moment. Who are you? You don't walk, I'll shoot. Are you Paula Crane's brother-in-law? Just walk, that's all. Because if you are, I might mention that I'm the new house guest, Steve Granger. If you're a house guest, you're doing speaking around the garage. What are you going to do with that package of bug poison? Oh, some ants in my room, I figured. There'd be some insect poison around. I found it back there. It was on my way to the house. I'm supposed to believe that. I see no reason why not. Let's wake up Paula. She'll identify me. <laughs> very surprised to see me at the receiving end of a gun, but recovered enough to introduce her brother-in-law formally as Richard Terrace. We waited until she closed and locked her door, and then Terrace and I went downstairs for a nightcap. You are, Green Duke? Oh, thanks. I'm sorry I acted the way I did. Oh, forget it, will you? You see, I've been perturbed recently. I'm a very light sleeper, and I've been prowlers around. Have you seen any of them? No. How long has this been going on? Oh, for about a week. Well, I'm going to bed. How about you? Yeah, me too. Oh, uh, want me to give you a hand with that bug poison? No, no, thanks. sure I can take care of that matter myself. My night's sleep was a restless one. After the rumble of Manhattan, 24 hours a day, the night sounds up here sounded terrifying as a jungle. I took a sample of the insect powder in the glass that held the poison milk, went down to the village, had them wrapped, and addressed to a certain place in Manhattan. Then I got to a telephone and made a call to my newspaper friend, Cal Hendricks.
1: Harry speaking.
0: Hiya, newshound.
1: Stevie, boy, what the heck are you doing in Fairhaven? Kind of out of your class, isn't
0: it? Yeah. You think only you guys ever get up amongst the big stuff, huh? Say, so listen, Cal, I want you to do me a little favor. Yeah,
1: sure. anytime. Steve, you know that?
0: sending down a little parcel address to you. I want you to take it down to the lab. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Do I sniff a little bit of funny business going on among those
0: million-dollar babies? You might. Got a long enough nose. Well,
1: don't forget. Brother Hendrick wants a
0: story. You'll get it. If there is one. It's a deal. I put the package containing the poison glass and the insect powder on the next mail train and went back to Paula Crane's cottage. Her mother informed me that she'd gone to a girlfriend's for the day. This was evening, Mother Loomis, Richard Terrace, his wife Anne, and I were sitting on a wide porch. You've
1: been preoccupied, Mister Granger.
0: Oh me! Oh, I was just, uh, just dreaming, I guess.
1: I'm glad you came up to visit Paula. She's been rather unhappy lately. If I didn't know her so well, I'd think she was in love. She certainly displays all the symptoms.
0: I wonder where she disappeared to. When she came home, she went right up to her room.
1: <laughs> Mr. Granger, if you want to play Romeo, you'll find her down at the lake shore.
0: Why, thanks. I can take a hint, too. Wait, Granger. I'll go along. How about you, Ann?
1: No, thanks. I'll stay here. I'm beginning to catch a cold.
0: Take care. You've known Paula for some time? Yeah, yeah. I met her in New York some years back. I feel think... sorry for her. Isn't it the same since her father died? Oh, there she is. Hola. you a company?
1: I love it. Come over and sit down, you two. Or especially you, Granger.
0: Well, thanks.
1: How do you like it out here?
0: Love it, love it. Brings out the Daniel Boone in me. All I need is a canoe, my rifle, and three Indians.
1: <laughs> we have everything but the Indians. Oh, do you have a match?
0: Oh, <laughs> sorry I'm fresh out. I'm out, too. Oh, would you mind, Granger? There's some in the living room at the house. Moving back to the house, something struck me. I thought I remembered seeing Richard Terrace pick up a pack of matches just before we walked down to meet Paula. As I neared the house, I could hear the voices of Mrs. Loomis and Anne. I stopped.
1: I'm telling you for the last time, I'm not going to put up with it any longer. Oh, really, Anne? I won't listen to another word. Yes, you will. I thought it might stop when she brought Steve Granger up here. Heaven knows he's good-looking enough. For the last time, I don't want to hear any more. Mother, why don't you face it? She's been trying to cause trouble between Richard and me ever since we were married. She hates me. Oh. If you wish to continue this ridiculous conversation, I'll admit one thing. Paula is in love with Richard. She's always been in love with Richard before you two were married. And I might add this. You married Richard while Paula was abroad on a trip. Are you intimating that I took Richard away from her? it certainly looked like it. Very well. I did. And I'm going to keep Richard even if something happens to Paula. And I sincerely hope it does.
0: Sometimes you can be just plain lucky. Like this time overhearing a bit of a conversation that throws a sudden revealing light on things. Because if ever I heard cold hatred in a girl's voice, I heard it then in Anne's. Just a minute, I'll bring you the climax of the case. Things seem to be clearing up a little bit. The talk I overheard between Anne and Mrs. Loomer seemed to provide the motive for the attempts on Paula Crane's life. It was a lucky thing that Richard Terrace had sent me back for some matches. I sneaked into the house, came up with some matches, and moved back towards the lake without being seen. There was a rustling noise behind me. I crept into the shadows as quiet as a bird dog flushing a quail. It was Ann Terrace, a slim little shadow who slipped behind a convenient tree to do a little eavesdropping. I decided to do the same thing.
1: Richard, we simply can't go on this way. I can't stand it.
0: Paula, you're acting very foolishly about this whole thing.
1: In the morning, you're going to ask for a divorce. I've told you 20 times.
0: I don't want a divorce. I'm not going to get a divorce. And I want you to let me alone.
1: Think it over the night. And meet me on the island at 7 o'clock in the morning. And Richard... Yes? You have your choice. Be there or be sorry.
0: I watched Ann Terrace, who'd taken in every word, sleep past without noticing me. I hung around a bit longer gave Paula Crane and Richard Terrace a head start and moved back to the house myself. In my room, I suddenly felt a first. As I helped myself from a water pitcher on the nightstand, I thought about the triangle that existed in this house, a thoroughly unpleasant one, involving a married couple and a stepsister. This would be a good time to see Paula Crane. I started to get up but never made it. I looked at the moon, which must have gone pixie because it was moving in a slow, tight circle. I shook my head. And this time, the loony lunar eye was doing a figure eight. I tried to get up once more, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What is it?
1: It's me, Mister Granger. Aren't you coming down to breakfast? Hey.
0: Yeah, Mrs. Loomis.
1: It's nine o'clock.
0: In the morning?
1: Of course.
0: All right, I'll be right down. I got up. My mouth felt like it had been rinsed with a bilge water from a hundred-year-old schooner, and I realized I'd been mickeyed with a capital fin. But I made it to the breakfast room.
1: Sit down, Mr. Granger. Have some coffee.
0: Thanks. Morning, Richard. Morning,
1: Do you feel bad this morning, Mister Granger?
0: Oh no, no, I feel wonderful.
1: Just wonderful. Where's Anne, Richard?
0: I don't know. She's gone off somewhere.
1: Morning, everybody. Uh, Hi, Paula. Now, darling, don't tell me that you feel bad too. Awful. Just like I've been drugged.
0: Did you say drugged, Paula?
1: I did, and I want some air. Granger, how about going for a canoe ride? The exercise will do you good.
0: Young woman, if I wiggled my eyebrows, my head would fall off. Oh,
1: come on. You need sunshine. Granger, somebody doped us all last night, didn't
0: they? They did, if we all drank water.
1: We all apparently did. There's a fresh pitcher of water placed in each room nightly.
0: First your cat gets it with the milk
1: First I was shot at
0: Correct Then the cat Then all of us are drugged Why? You're the detective You tell me think it might be Ann Why
1: do you say
0: that? Let's come out into the open, Paula You got a stepsister who hates
1: you oh, Whatever gave you that idea?
0: Two conversations I overheard One between Anne and your mother and The second between you and Richard Terrace You overheard that? Little lady you're asking for trouble Anne heard it too
1: I'm glad I hate her Richard and I were going to be married when she moved in.
0: Just the same. You're in the wrong, and you know it. Say, doesn't somebody live on that little island? No. What? I got a picture of the doll in the white bathing suit. That must be Anne.
1: She probably left the house early and swam over here.
0: Let's turn around and go back. No.
1: I've got something to say to Anne, and it might as well be now. <laughs>
0: Mind if we come over? Must be sleeping. Come on,
1: Granger. That spot on her white suit—is she dead?
0: She is. Shot right through the heart. Oh, what do we do? Notify the police and tell Richard. Granger. What?
1: That's my bathing suit she's wearing. Yours? Yes, don't you see? Somebody thought it was me.
0: Paula you... Crane and I made it back to the mainland in a hurry. As sure, we notified the sheriff first, then Richard Terrace. He insisted on going back out to the island with us immediately.
1: Well, Richard, I don't know what to say. Anne. Oh, Anne. Richard, please. Paul, I
0: ask you to let me alone... If it hadn't been for you, Anne would probably still be alive. Richard, don't say that. She was wearing your suit, wasn't she? Whoever killed her thought it was you. Richard, don't. And I wish it had been you. You've hated her ever since Anne and I got married. Take it easy, Richard, will you? And when the sheriff gets here, I'll have something to say to him, too. Now, get away, both of you. I want to be alone with Anne. But,
1: Richard, how will you get back? Let me alone.
0: Come on, Paula.
1: Stranger, you... You've got to find out who shot and killed poor
0: Anne. I intend to. And first, I'm going to talk to your mother. (laughs) But before I had my talk with Mrs. Loomis, there was something I had to do first. This was my own room. The water pitcher was empty. There was just enough moisture left for one taste. That taste had enough dope in it to knock a Republican right out of his party. Same. The pictures were empty, but contained enough moisture to give me what I wanted. The last room was Mrs. Loomis's. From under the door came the odor of smoke. I wasted no more time.
1: Mr. Granger, how dare you come into my room without knocking? What
0: are you doing in that fire, Mrs. Loomis?
1: Nothing. I think
0: I'd better take a look at that, Mrs. Loomis.
1: Oh, uh- how dare
0: you? Well, wow, what have we here? A red bathing suit. Mr. Granger. Mrs. Loomis, did you know that Anne was shot and killed this morning?
1: Anne Shot?
0: Yes. And here are you all set to toss a red bathing suit into the fireplace. I wasn't. Not much. A lot of people up here always start up fireplaces during the hottest month of the year.
1: This is my home, and if I want a fire, I start one.
0: To burn up bathing suits.
1: Go out of here, Mr. Granger. You've no right to intrude like this.
0: Mrs. Loomis, you're not very excited about Anne's murder. You're more interested in this red bathing suit. Is it because you shot and killed her?
1: Suppose I did.
0: Why would you?
1: Because she was ruining my daughter's life. My real daughter, Paula.
0: By remaining married to Richard Terrace?
1: Yes. And that's why I killed her.
0: And you were burning the bathing suit because you didn't want anybody to know you'd been swimming early this morning, right?
1: That's right. Mother the sheriff is down.
0: To... What are you doing with that bathing suit? Paula, whose suit is this?
1: Why? It belonged to
0: Anne.
1: What's going on here?
0: Your mother has just confessed to Anne's murder. What? And she was just going to burn the suit. That suit might have proved that she swam to the island this morning.
1: Oh, Granger, really. Look at the size of that suit. Mother couldn't get into it. She lost 40 pounds.
0: I want to make a little check. Mrs. Loomis, turn around, will you? Why? Turn around. Now, let's see. What
1: are you doing?
0: Just checking the back of your head, Mrs. Loomis, to see if your hair is wet. And it's not. So you couldn't have swum over to the island. Of
1: course not.
0: Paula, I'd like to see if your hair is wet. Keep away from me. You tipped yourself when you mentioned that your mother couldn't get into that suit. But you could. Wet hair doesn't prove a thing. Other things do, though. Like the pitchers that held the water. Although they'd been emptied, some had remains of dope and some didn't. Anne's didn't for one, yours for another. Are
1: you saying that I shot Anne?
0: Baby, I'd like to bet that you deliberately let Anne hear your talk with Richard Terrace last night.
1: You know, she'd be on that island if it
0: killed her. And it did. You're insane. You probably stole a suit, forcing her to wear yours. You swam after her in the red suit. You killed her. And your mother saw you do it. That's why she wanted to take the blame to protect you. Mr. Granger, please don't say any more. I was a front man for you, Paula. When Ann died, it looked like the bullet was intended for you. You would probably try to pin it on Richard. And I would make a beautiful alibi for you. All
1: right. I killed her. put that gun down. That's
0: another mistake you made. You should have dropped the gun into the lake.
1: I think you and I, Granger, will leave by the back way. You know too much for your own good. look please! Mother, get out of the way!
0: Well, friends, that's a story. I'll be back to wrap up the case in just a minute. Paula, Crane, fired just too late. Because I had her on, and the shot went over the ceiling. The sheriff rushed upstairs when he heard the story, took her to the local jail. Some weeks later, Richard Terrace and I were in my office waiting for something. You should have told me that night that you were a private detective. Well, I couldn't. I was working for Paula. I was her alibi. The story of the shots poisoning the cats, he set it up pretty nice. That chemist to whom Cal Hendricks took the glass and the insect powder, his testimony was damaging, too. Oh, ah, this is it. Ah, We'll know what happened. Hello. I see. Thanks. Jury found her guilty. Life imprisonment. That's not fair. She should have been executed. No, Richard. Paula loved freedom more than anything. Life imprisonment is the worst sentence she could get. Just heard one of the most interesting cases in my files. I'll have another one for you. So be around next time.